I'm Kay, a compulsive overeater. Welcome to the What Works and What Doesn't Workshop. And um, my name is Kay, I, and I am a compulsive overeater and your moderator for this meeting. Please join, please join me in this serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thank you. That feels so good. That wasn't on the script. Um, I've already asked someone to be our timer. Um, before we get started, we ask that all cell phones and other electronic equipment be turned off. Even if you think it's off, please make sure. The session is being taped. To protect our anonymity, our, no photography, audio, or visual recording is allowed. The opinions expressed here today are those of the individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. Please remember two hatters, i.e. OA members affiliated with related facilities or other 12-step programs are requested to speak on their recovery in the OA program only. An Ask It Basket will be circulated for the question and answer portion of this session. If there is any press in the room, please respect our anonymity by not taking any pictures using video camera or using our full names. Please check the printed program so that you are reading. Wasn't supposed to read that. <laughs> the format for this session is as follows. Two speakers will share for 25 minutes each, followed by 15 minutes of questions and answers. This is the The topic for our session is what works and what doesn't. Our first speaker is Rebecca. Good morning. I'm Rebecca. I'm a recovering anorexic bulimic. And it's really great to be here. And I'm a little nervous right now, but I know that it will calm down as I get into letting my higher power work through me. Um, just to qualify, I've been in this program coming up on 19 years in September. Um, I started when I was three. Um, <laughs> and I have been abstinent for 20 years. I actually got abstinent right before I came into this program in January. So January, I just hit 20 years of abstinence. Um, for me, this program is a spectrum, and it can be either on one end or the other. For me, the disease manifested in anorexia and bulimia. So please listen for the similarities, not the differences, because the feelings that I have and continue to have and have worked through usually are the same from people that I find in this program, no matter where they fall on the spectrum of this disease. So what works and what doesn't work? Um, Everything works and nothing works. And somebody told me this one time and I thought, what are you talking about? And it took me a long time to understand that. Um, for me, what that means is sometimes some things work and sometimes they don't work. What works today may not work for me tomorrow. What has worked for me for the first 15 years of this program isn't working for me today. Um, something I heard years ago right after I got into recovery from a boss that I worked with that 
there's people that cross our paths through life, and this person was extremely obnoxious and probably somebody that I would never even want to remember. But he said something one time that has stuck with me, and it is something that has been very helpful for me in my life. And he said, don't complain, correct. And for me, it was all about looking inwards as to what do I need to do to change the situation. So what works? For me, there's been a lot of different things in this program that have worked. Um, the 12 steps, working the 12 steps, not just saying you have the 12 steps, they have to be worked. Um, within that, the tools. And for me, uh, I'm gonna list several of the tools that have worked for me. Some work better than others, and sometimes some that I hadn't used for a very long time, I pick up and they work really well as well. Um, so for me, the phone has been my number one tool in this program. If I don't have a phone, I feel like a, a limb is cut off of me. And it, is, it definitely has been my lifeline. So one suggestion that I make for everybody in this room, and somebody told me this years ago, years and years ago, get a post-it note and put five program people's phone number on it and post it on your phone. And I did that. And I continue to tell other people to do that. And there's more than five people in this room, so you can get plenty of phone numbers today. And I, if I had thought about it, I would have brought post-it notes, but I didn't think about it until midnight last night, so it's a little late. Um, that's something that's been really helpful. Also, one thing that I, that I really want to say is, you know, when I was asked to speak and I thought about, okay, what do I want to say? And I thought, oh, 25 minutes, how am I going to talk for 25 minutes? And my sister goes, you have the gift of gab. That's not going to be a problem. Um, so for me, um, thinking about it and thinking about conventions I've been to, retreats and things over the years, and I thought, when I first came into this program, there was so much information that it was overwhelming. And I'm easily overwhelmed. I'm a compulsive person, so I take in a lot of stimuli, and sometimes it's really hard to sort it all out. So when I thought about this, I thought, what do I want to say or what do I want people to hear? And obviously, you take what you like and you leave the rest. But I thought about it, I really want to be able to speak to people so that you can walk away with something that will be helpful to you or something that you can share with somebody else because this program for me is about giving away so I can keep it. And so when I looked at it from that perspective, um, I remember when I first came in and so many things, the steps, sponsor, blah, blah, all these things. And I remember leaving thinking, I have no clue what to do, none. And, and actually being a little bit pushed back because it felt so overwhelming, just like everything else in my life had been so overwhelming because my life was completely, utterly out of control. Um, so hopefully there is something here today that you hear that will help you and help you help somebody else as well. So meetings um, are also something that has worked for me. Um, and a lot of times it's even just getting there. Sometimes I would share, sometimes I wouldn't. It really just depended on where I was. But I also know through the program that I needed to be able to give back, and by sharing, that was also a way of giving back. Um, sponsors. So my life today is I have a four-and-a-half-year-old son, Alexander, who is the uh, pride and joy of my life. So I see life through a four-and-a-half-year-old's eyes, which is absolutely an exquisite place to see life. So um, some of my references, some of you may know, um, some of you may not. So in how many people have seen the movie Toy Story? So in that part, Woody, who's played by Tom Hanks, says, 
okay, moving day, and he gets the little microphone, and he's talking to everybody. So if you don't have a moving buddy, all of these things. Well, my son has this knack of memorizing word for word the whole script of a movie. And so one thing that he constantly says, if you don't have one, get one. And that's what I'm telling you today about a sponsor. If you don't have one, get one. And every time I think of that, it just makes me laugh because it's just – it is something that's really important. And again, there's so many tools and things that we can use in this program. Um, but there's certain things that I feel that are, um, that are absolute to be successful and to have peace and serenity in this program. So writing. Um, writing has never been a huge tool of mine. And it's because when I was younger, I had some things happen to me based upon some things that I had written, and I had gotten in trouble for things I'd written in my diary when I was a teenager. Now, I came from an alcoholic fam family, and my mother uh, got into recovery 30 years ago, and she just recently passed away. And this was during a lot of turmoil. So writing for me has always been something that if I don't put it in writing, nobody else can ever use it against me. But I also find writing to be a very powerful, powerful tool. So I encourage people that haven't used writing as a tool to also try that, because it does help. Um, a food plan. So I'm not anal retentive, at least not to my knowledge, um, but I am. Um, so when I first started out in this program, I tried to figure out what, what, is it, what does a food plan look like for me? And it didn't, it was really hard for me to figure that out. And it's an individual thing, and that's one great thing about this program and that I think makes it harder for us, other than people being in AA or NA, where you just don't drink. It's black and white. Our disease is not. So for me, I had to figure out what's going to work for me around food. And it is something that I found something that worked, and I did it for 15 years. And then all of a sudden, I got pregnant. My body went haywire, and I've had five surgeries in four and a half years, and that food plan doesn't work for me anymore. And I'm still trying to figure out today what my body needs. Because all of a sudden, foods that I've been eating for years, and also probably because I've got to a certain age that my metabolism started to change a bit, that things just aren't working. So I wasn't very happy about that. And I was talking to my sponsor, and my sponsor said, wow, what a great opportunity to learn more about yourself. And I go... I don't want to learn any more about myself. I already know enough. So I just had to humble myself and, again, understand that this is the place that I need to be. It's not comfortable. But I have not been as uncomfortable as I was when I was practicing this disease. So for me, because I don't want to have to think about food every day and we have to eat every day, so I like to do it once a week. And so what I had been doing for 15-plus years, or actually even longer, um, have this little Excel spreadsheet that I put together and basically have my food plan. I plan out my food for the whole week because if I have to go home and think about what it is I'm going to have, I'll do a couple of things. If it's too overwhelming, I won't eat. If it's too many other choices, I may eat several things of things that probably aren't the best choice for me. It's indecision for me is something that will kill me. And so I need things to be clear. They don't have to be black and white. I can live in the gray area, but they need to be clear for me that I have a plan. Because if I don't have a plan, I'm setting myself up to fail. And I've done that for the first 20-something years in my life before I got into this program. Um, my husband and I 
we've been using this food plan for years, so I got him using my Excel spreadsheet. And in the past two years, it kind of went to the, he's like, I'm not going to turn the computer on to get this. And, and so I've kind of just been going with the flow on the back of a napkin or whatever. And, and I realized in the last couple of weeks, I said to him, I go, that's not working for me. I needed to see, I'm a very visual person. I need to see what it is when I come home because I'm tired, I've worked really hard, I've now got my four and a half year old, I've got all these things. I need to look on that fridge and say, Wednesday, chicken, baked potato, asparagus, whatever it is. I'm like, oh yeah, take it out of the fridge, it's all there, it's all ready to go. If I have to try and remember what it is that we plan to have, even though the things are there, I can't remember it. And that's just part of the, that's just part of my um, my getting older and also being a mom. I, my brain is just not functioning as well as it used to. So I need to keep it real simple for me. Um, literature. And for me, this is not my book. Mine's in the car and was completely falling apart, so I asked if I could borrow. This For Today book is, to me, an incredible, incredible book. In this program, we're so fortunate because we have such great literature. There's, there's so many great things to read. So I really encourage you, if you don't have much literature, there's the table right across the way as you step out. There's so many great things, and it has is, it is saved my butt so many times I can't even tell you. Um, so sponsors, again, it is something that I find, I've worked this program at times by myself, and um, it, it was, I, I, I never left the room, so I'm still here, but it wasn't as peaceful as it could have been. And I know that through this program that I don't have to do these things by myself. And this is a disease of isolation. And so the more I try to do by myself, the more I put myself in a position that is not the healthiest place for me to be. Um, other things in this program that have worked for me is honesty. And to the point of not being rude, to be honest, but I also have to sometimes just stop and think when somebody asks me something, and I may ask, do you want the honest answer? And it's their choice, because if they, if they don't want the complete honest answer, then I won't say it. But I also know for me that I need to speak my truth, and when I don't speak my truth is when I get in trouble. And for me, it, it's like I go inward, and um, just, you know, my therapist has told me, my mind I cannot go there alone, so I can only go there with her or my sponsor, because it's like a game, it's like a bad neighborhood. Um, another thing for me that's worked is, is to love, to love myself. I never loved myself before I had this program, and being anorexic and bulimic, um, one of the things is, it's, they said it's the other form of self-hatred, is not to even give one basic nutritional needs. And today I love myself. Some days I don't like myself very well, but I still love myself. And um, certain things that have helped me are, are affirmations that I learned by being in these rooms. And I had a friend in another program that said, you got to look in the mirror every day and say, I love you or, or some positive affirmation. And many of you in here may have been Saturday night live watchers and seeing some of those uh, those affirmations. And every time I watch that now, I have to just crack up because it took me nine months before I could actually say out loud in the mirror that I love and approve of myself. Nine months. That's a long, that's as long as it takes to have a baby. 
So it was a very long time, but I can say that today. And there's, you know, I'm getting older. I got reading glasses in December. Like I hit that, that. So I figure if I'm not the top of the hill, I got another 45 years. I'm 45. I turned 45 in April. So I got another 45 years if I'm not the, the peak of my hill. So lots of different things have changed. And, and, and yes, um, I'm a natural redhead, but redheads go white instead of gray. So I've been doing highlighting for a couple of years. And, you know, I need to do what I need to do to take care of myself and to feel good about myself. And if that's what helps me feel good about myself and it's not destructive to me, then that's something that works for me. My therapist has told me there's days that um, I've had some issues with depression. Thank God I've never had severe depression, but I've had mild depression my whole life. And um, my therapist said, if you get up in the morning and you're not feeling good, if you make yourself look better, you will feel better. Shower, brush your hair, put on lipstick, whatever it is that you like to do. And, you know, there's days that I don't want to do it, and there's days that I don't. And there's days that I say, you know what, I don't want to feel this way that I'm feeling, and I do it. And I always feel better when I do take care of myself, whatever little thing that it is. It might be making myself a cup of tea and sitting down and just staring out the window and having a cup of tea. So feelings. Feelings are something else that works for me in this program. Feeling my feelings. Not just having them, but feeling my feelings and working through them. Um, recently going through the death of my mother, it was amazing to me about having to be present. Not having to be. I've been present. I live life today. Before I was just a spectator, but I actually live it. And um, and. I say that this was such an amazing experience, and partly because I do have this wonderful four-and-a-half-year-old child, that I had a, a friend of mine pass away on December 31st, and that was the first time that my son had actually seen me cry. And I got off the phone with his wife, and I had just seen him the day before, and, and I just burst out in tears. And my son just looked at me. He did not know what to do, and I could tell he was scared. And, and he said, Mama, Mama, what's wrong? And I just said, Mama's friend Bill just passed away. And he just looked at me. Four and a half, it's a difficult time. He was just four at that point. It's just a little difficult to comprehend that. And so and so I just, you know, I gave him a hug and I said, you know, I'm, I'm just very sad. And, you know, he's got a little two-year-old. Logan's going to have no daddy and so all these things. And just having to be able to let my son experience that. And then a couple months later, going through these things with my mom, sitting on the couch one night, about a week before my mom passed away, and I was talking to somebody, one of my family relatives, about what was happening with my mom. And my son was sitting next to me, and it was a little later than his normal bedtime, and with life being the way it was, it was just, he was sitting there, and I was talking to someone, and I started crying, and, and he puts his head, he has his leg, rest, or his head resting on my leg, and he looks up at me, and he's like, Mama, Mama, be brave, Mama, be brave. And, you know, it was, it was just such a great thing for me that, one, I was never allowed to have feelings as a child. As an adult and being in recovery, I get to have my feelings. I want to have my feelings in a safe place, so I don't cry at work, but there's other places I need to go. I can go in the bathroom and do it if I need to. But for me, allowing my child to see me have feelings and to allow my child to have feelings is just those are one of the miracles of this program and that is something that I did not get to do when I was a kid so what else works um, acceptance is something that works and 
the big book, page 449. I'd like to read this. And acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. When I am disturbed, it is because I find some person, place, thing, or situation, some fact of my life, unacceptable to me. And I can find no serenity until I accept that person, place, thing, or situation as being exactly the way it is supposed to be at this moment. Nothing, absolutely nothing, happens in God's world by mistake. Until I could accept my overeating, I could not stay abstinent. Unless I accept life completely on life's terms, I cannot be happy. I need to concentrate not so much on what needs to be changed in the world as on what needs to be changed in me and in my attitudes. This is something for me, acceptance is, is a huge thing. Because I cannot change people, places, or things. I can only change myself. And some days I don't remember that. Another thing in this program that has really worked is discipline. I don't like that word at all. But for me, it's about doing it anyways. Because it's what I need to do. It's not what I want to do. And if I did what I wanted to do, I wouldn't be here today. And I know that. But I am so grateful that I am. Another big area for me is forgiveness. And I am working on a major forgiveness in my life right now. And I also recognize that it is a blockage in my life. As long as I continue to hold this and feel this anger, I'm the one who is suffering and I am the one who is doing damage to myself. I mean, my health, there's issues that come up from harboring resentments and feelings of anger and all of those things. So that's another big area. These are not in any particular order. I just was writing things down because I have faith in higher power as number eight, so it's not that far down on my list. Um, but faith is something for me that I would not be here today if I did not have faith. I would not be able to live in this world if I did not have faith. Um, I have a higher power, and my higher power I choose to call God. And I've had a connection with my higher power since I was a child. I was raised in a Catholic family, very, very Catholic family. Um, I left the Catholic religion and went to all different types of religions, and I've come back to the Catholic Church. And I take what I want and I leave the rest, just like I do with everything else in my life. I take what works for me. But I have a connection with my higher power, and I know that I wouldn't be here today. My higher power has a really strange sense of humor and at times I feel like I have been completely abandoned and as I've told people I've never been abandoned by my higher power he has dangled me over the edge for a very long time at times and I mean hanging on by just the thinnest of threads and then when I finally let go my life would change and my life has changed hope Hope is another thing that works for me in this program. If I didn't have hope, I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to live if I didn't have hope. Um, life is great, and it's not always pleasant, but it is really great, and I am extremely grateful for everything that I have and for everything that I don't have, because if I don't have it, I obviously I don't need it. Um, even though I am going through grief, and this has been the hardest thing that I have ever gone through in my life, I still am blessed by what I do have today. Humor 
humor is something that I was extremely serious, extremely is, is probably putting it very lightly, um, prior to getting to this program. I don't know if I even knew how to smile much, let alone laugh. Now, especially living life through a four-and-a-half-year-old, my son has the sweetest belly laugh you have ever heard. It is just incredible, and I sit back and I hear that, and it, he just at the strangest times comes up with this. You can just say something it doesn't sound funny to us, but will sound funny to someone else, and it is just, so that constantly reminds me to not take myself so seriously and to be in the moment and to be able to laugh at myself. So gratitude. Gratitude is, is a key for me in this program. Um, there's times I feel like I didn't get something that I wanted or that I felt I really needed, but I also know that my higher power will give me everything that I need, and he doesn't give me more than I can handle. Although times I feel like I had no lifeline at all, but I did make it through. As it says in the big book, this too shall pass. Also what's worked is outside help, as it talks about in the big book, to seek the help of professionals when needed. Um, I resisted taking medication for years in this program, probably 10 years maybe, maybe longer. And, um, and then I did try some antidepressants, a very mild one, and it was amazing the difference that it made in my life, amazing. But I wasn't willing to do that until I had to get to a certain amount of pain when I was able to take that step. Um, also therapy, I've been in therapy longer than I've been in program. Um, and I have a therapist that is in 12-step program as well, which is extremely helpful because my life, as it says, she practices these principles in all my affairs, not just the ones I feel that I want to practice, but all my affairs. So my life revolves around my 12-step program. Um, what doesn't work for me? Isolation. So get out of yourself. I needed to get out of myself. I've not been much of an isolator because I was afraid to be alone. I was afraid to be with me. So that was something, but as I see, like going through grief, that I have had some periods in the last two months where I have isolated for several days at a time. And I understand that that is not going to make me feel any better. That is like adding vinegar to a cut. It is going to hurt. Um, shame doesn't work for me. And the acronym for that is should have already mastered everything. <laughs> I haven't mastered everything. My, my son says, Mama, you know everything. I said, no, honey, I don't, but I know a lot of things. Blame doesn't work for me in this program. Anger. Anger served its purpose for me, but it doesn't work. And I realized for me anger is something that covers up something else. It is just like the top. And once I remove that anger, there's usually hurt, abandonment, disappointment, fear, something else underneath it. Comparing. Comparing doesn't work for me. And when I'm comparing myself to you, I am not in a good place. We are all individuals. And one of the other things it says on page 449, it says that we are all children of God and that we each have a right to be here. When I complain about me or about you, I am complaining about God's handiwork. I am saying that I know better than God. And I don't know better than God. Thank God, because we'd be in a sorry state if I thought that we really did. Um, 
past measures avail us nothing. And that is so true. You ever tried to get out of a chair? Either you do it or you don't. So that was something one of my therapists said to me years ago. So this is a program for me that it works when I work it. And sometimes my program is different than others. With my life today, I don't get to as many physical meetings as I used to. I travel for work, having a small child, everything. Logistically, it's not always possible. I do phone meetings. I connect to OA people normally every single day and sometimes multiple times in a day. I have my therapist, my sponsor, and all the other things that I've talked about. So for me, there are a lot of things in this program that do work. And I just want to say that I am eternally grateful that I found this program. And I'm so glad that you folks are all here today. I hope I said something that will work for you. But please remember, just keep coming back because the miracles do happen. Thank you. And our second speaker is Darwin. Hi, I'm Darwin, a compulsive overeater. Hi, Darwin. And uh, it's very interesting. Rebecca and I come from opposite ends of the spectrum, and yet everything she said today I agree with completely. A few things we do a little bit different, but pretty much everything she said is on my list of things that I wanted to talk about. So I'm done. Thank you for letting me share. <laughs> now, um, well, the first thing for me I want to share about is taking direction. When I was talking to my sponsor uh, yesterday about coming up here and, and leading this, the first thing she says is, Darwin, you're always talking about what's wrong with you and how you haven't gotten where you want to be yet. She says, you've got to start telling people the good stuff that's happened for you. So first, I've got to tell you where I came from. In a way, we talk about how we will love you until you can love yourself. Well, for me, that wasn't true. I was so obnoxious that the people in OA didn't even love me. <laughs> now, that is funny, but that's the truth. I went to the oldest meeting in the city. I come from Vancouver, Canada. And the oldest meeting in the city, they closed that meeting and reopened that meeting, and I was the only person that it was closed to. They wouldn't tell me where it was because they didn't want me back. That is how obnoxious I was. Now, when they asked me what subject I'd like to talk on in this workshop, and they gave me the list, and they said relationships, and I started laughing because I knew that wasn't mine. I hadn't had a successful relationship in my life. But then they said, what works and what doesn't work? Well, I came into this program. I was an extremely experienced dieter. My top weight was 367 pounds. Before I came to program, I went on a diet, and I lost 117 pounds in four months. I ate 300 calories a day, and I exercised six hours a day, which is a little bit compulsive. And I thought I had the answers. You know, I went to a therapist. The therapist told me, well, your wife is a horrible person, and you need to change your career. I did that. I lost all the weight. I thought I had it all fixed, and a year later, I started gaining the weight back. So I came in a program, and in my first 10 years of program, I went from 217 pounds to 367 pounds. And I worked the program to the best of my ability. 
and it didn't work for me. I, I changed my life. I changed who I was, but I couldn't change my eating. No matter how hard I tried, no matter how many meetings I went to, I went to the, you know, they talk about 90 meetings in 90 days. I went to 88 meetings in 90 days and figured, well, the reason that it didn't work is because I missed two. <laughs> it's the truth. I really believe that. I thought, well, yeah, no wonder it didn't work. Well, you missed two meetings. You don't. I'm not allowed to say that word, especially on tape. But that's, that's what it was like for me. I have maintained 160-pound weight loss for 12 years now. So something is working. When I hit my bottom, it was after 10 years of program, I was abusing every substance there was, every possible addiction you could have. I had it. I had sleep apnea. I was needing to sleep 18 hours a day. And I was ready to give up my driver's license because I kept falling asleep at the wheel. I couldn't hold a job. I was living with my father, and I was 40-some years old. And that's, that's a fairly low bottom. Today, my hobby, well, my passion is ballroom dancing. I'm a ballroom dance instructor. I go dancing four times a week. I absolutely love it. As a hobby, I ride my bicycle. Sometimes I put on 100 miles a week. That's my hobby. It's not a passion. It's just something I do in passing. And I love my life today. I don't love it every day. Some mornings, I even write letters to God telling him how much I hate him. He pisses me off. God doesn't work this program quite the way I want him to. But uh, I keep coming back. So, on to what does and doesn't work. I'm going to start with what doesn't work, because that's how I started the program. And the first thing that I know that didn't work for me in program is when I came to program, everything I heard, I thought, you know, my dad would get so much from this. Or my ex-wife would get so much from this. Or my kids. Or everybody else I know would learn so much from this. Turned out I was right, but the only way they learn it is by me getting the program and demonstrating what my life, how my life has to be in order to change anything. My parents, my family all changed when I came into program. Weird. God's strange. So the next, next part I got here is I'm not God. And when I heard that, the first time I heard that in program, and many times, I've heard it for years in program, I think, well, yeah, of course I'm not God. I understand that. I'm not God. But that's, that's not what it means. For me, when it says, I'm not, when I say I'm not God, that's talking about step seven. Some of you probably don't know step seven. Is, I, ask, I humbly ask God to remove my shortcomings. Well, I know for me, when I did step six, and I, I talk about my character defects, then I expected me to remove them. I thought I should fix them. All these years in program, and I don't realize I can't fix them. I can't change me. So I have to let God fix my shortcomings. And I have to love myself through those shortcomings. I have to love myself through my inability to... Today, after 20-whatever years, I came here in 1983... I still have times when food is my comfort. Fortunately, most of the time it's watermelon and water and things that, that aren't going to kill me. 
Uh, my abstinence today is I no longer try and kill myself with food. I'm, I'm not a, I don't talk about food plans because I don't believe they work. I know they have never worked for me. I've tried to get on a food plan all my life and I've never been able to. That's part of the reason that the program didn't work for me for a long time is because I compared my insides to your outsides. I thought that I heard people talk. You know, I came to program, I weigh and measure everything, and if you don't do that, you're not going to recover. Well, that didn't work for me. Sure, it worked for lots of people. And for who it works for, that's wonderful. And if that works for you, don't listen to what I say and say it doesn't work, because I'm not saying that. I'm saying it doesn't work for me. If it's not working for you, then what I have to say might mean something. Uh, there's one thing Rebecca said that I have to repeat because I believe it's so true and that's negative reinforcement does not work. Beating myself up for not being good enough only makes me feel worse about who I am. And when I tell you I overate this morning but I'm not going to beat myself up over it, that's beating myself up over it. Because I've made an excuse. And that's the other thing. It does not work. Making excuses does not work. If I say, I overate this morning, that's all I say. Or, I mistreated somebody today. I don't say because he was an asshole. I say, I mistreated somebody today. I did something wrong. I don't blame somebody else for my actions. I did them. That works. Blaming somebody else doesn't. And now, here I get to negate everything I said by saying, the number one thing for me that doesn't work is being an expert. I really don't know what works and what doesn't work. That's why I have to keep coming back. The spiritual program, I've never understood God. I just work my best to develop that conscious contact with God every day. And that's not an easy task because sometimes it seems like God's not there. And sometimes that goes on for a long time. And it gets real hard to do everything every day when it seems like nothing is happening. But over the years, and realizing that there is no other choice, I came to this program because nothing else worked. I was dying. I'm not dying anymore. It's not easy. It's hard, hard work. The nice thing is, is that it changes my life every single day. And yes, my worst days are not wonderful. My spon I had a new sponsee tell me the other day. I said, you know, I wrote a, a letter to God saying how much I hated him, how this program doesn't work, blah, 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 which I probably never should have said to a new sponsee, but I said it because I believe in being honest with the people I work with. And two days later, she's telling me, she says, you know, I'm, should I really be here? I mean, if you've been here for 20-some years and it's not working for you, why should I come here? And I said, well, I'm over that. <laughs> I had two bad days, and I told you about them. Before I came to this program, I had 30 bad years. Two bad days ain't quite so bad. I can live with two bad days. Control. You know, this is amazing. I, I never prepare. I was told I was going to do this a year ago. This morning, before I came in here, I wrote this stuff down. I just thought it would be helpful to have something to look at just in case I needed it. Control. 
I've always thought that if I could control everybody else, my life would be wonderful. You think that's funny? That's the truth. <laughs> I, I mean, I was sick. You know how people, when they get really totally depressed and they want to kill themselves? Not me. I just wish my ex-wife would die. <laughs> if she would die, my life would be perfect because I can't control her. And everybody else in the world that I can't control, if they'd either die or learn to do it my way, everything would be wonderful. I really believe that. No wonder I kept gaining weight and this program didn't work for me. It's because I, I... And it's not, it's not something that's gone away. I still want to control. I just don't obsess over it anymore. And most of the time I go, oh yeah, maybe you're wrong anyhow. What a concept that I could be wrong. And or one other thing that Rebecca talked about that I think is important, and that is being afraid of emotions. For me, I was always afraid of anger because I knew I had so much anger that if I ever got in touch with, I would kill people. And I didn't think I was an angry person most of the time. I was this jolly guy who laughed at everything. People tell me I was a fat whale and I'd laugh because I didn't want to know how much it hurts. I was a macho guy. I got stopped by the police one time and he's going to give me a ticket. I said, what did you stop me for? He says, I'm going to give you a ticket. I said, well, you're an asshole. And he said, I beg your pardon? I said, you're an asshole. And I left out a word, but uh, like I said, I don't use those words on the mic here. And so he pulled me over and that was the way I was. That's how I treated people who didn't go along with what I wanted. Is they're wrong and I'm right. So, there's my list of some of the things that don't work. That's what I wrote down. And I seem like I have a little bit of time left for the good things. That's good. I'm going to tell you how I work my program today. Some of it I think will work for other people, but it's what works for me. And I can't tell what works for anybody else anyhow. I get out of bed every morning and I sit down and I start writing. Writing to me is the number one tool in this program. It's my form of meditation. I do not get through a day without an hour's writing before I do anything. Except for, I, I put the coffee on, and then I sit down and I write. And I write whatever I happen to feel like writing about. In a way, it's my meditation, so it's my step 11. In a way, it's my step 10. It can be my step 4. It can be step one. Two days ago, I realized I was powerless over life. I've realized that many times, but I realized it over and over again. I quite often have to go back to step one. I don't know it all. My sponsor just made me redo. She said, read the doctor's opinion. No, she says, don't read the doctor's opinion. Study the doctor's opinion and write me an essay on it. I really want to do that. I've been doing this program for 23 years, and you want me to write about the doctor's opinion? You can kiss my eye. But I said, thank you very much, and I did that. Because that's what I do today. It works. I talk to my sponsor every morning. And I talk to my sponsor at 10 after 6. If I call my sponsor at 6.30, she says, it's too late. I'm busy. I don't have time for you anymore. Your time is from 10 after 6 till 6.30. That's it. Once that's over, it's done. 
I don't do that to my sponsees, but then my sponsees don't stay with me, so maybe I should. <laughs> Obviously, if you've been in the program for any length of time, you know that the steps are the most important part of the program. And I don't think there's any one specific step that's more important than others. I believe that you work the steps in the order that you feel like working them. I know a lot of people say you've got to work them step one, step two. If you don't work them in order, uh, they're not going to work for you. Well, whatever, whatever need I have is the step that I work at that particular time. And that step can be different every day or every few minutes. Or I can have to do three steps at a time. Lately, I've been having to work step three, step seven, and step 11 consistently because I need to improve my conscious contact with God. So I have to first be willing to turn my life over to God, then ask Him to remove my shortcomings, and then pray that He does it. I've got to improve that conscious contact with God. Recently, I started something outside program. We don't talk about outside things, but we can say that in the big book, it talks about we know little and that we can learn from everywhere else. I do a four-hour meditation once a week. My first time was, you've got to be out of your mind. I'm going to sit and listen to that horrible music for four hours and not say anything. And I found I got sick afterwards. My first thought was, well, yeah, if you had to spend four hours with Darwin not saying anything, you'd get sick too. <laughs> what I found out later is, and this isn't just from the meditation, that it is a thing that even psychologists believe, that, that when we cleanse our bodies and our minds, it, it's going to cause us to feel bad. It does. You know, that stuff just doesn't come out without experiencing something from having it come out. And it's unpleasant. And there's lots of parts of this program that are unpleasant. If I am not willing to face what is unpleasant in this program, I might as well go somewhere else because it won't work. My sponsor recently suggested that step three should be a contract that I have with God. And that I should repeat it over and over and over again. I am turning my life over to you. Do with me what you want. What I want doesn't work. It's never given me any kind of fulfillment in my life. It's given me everything I've asked for, but no, nothing that, that, that filled me up. Every time I got, and I, thought, I used to ask God for things, and he'd give them to me. But those things never gave me anything. So now it's, God, what do you want? Give me the knowledge of what you want for me, and I'll do it. To the best of my ability, I will do whatever you want. And I will have gratitude for the opportunity to do that. And what a change that's made in my life. No longer is having what I want so important because getting what I want most of the time it doesn't come instantly and usually if it does well yeah that was nice five minutes later yeah that was nice and then it's gone I used to be an entertainer for a living I did it for 15 years and at the end of the night on a really fabulous night and I was all psyched up and everything was wow it was over nothing was left from it what a letdown here I had this this euphoria that I was in for like three hours, well, when the euphoria was over, it was over. And I went to my room and felt like, ooh, 
This sucks. But it doesn't work that way when I do service for God. When I do service for God, it builds and it grows. And I get to see the results of it. And God works in mysterious ways too. We don't talk much about the mystical part of God in program because that's kind of out there somewhere. But there is a mystical part of God that, that is very, very real. And it shows up at times when we allow it to. The synchronicity of God is amazing. When I came up here this weekend, we decided we were going to bring the dog. Well, that meant finding a hotel that would take dogs. I didn't know a hotel that would take dogs, but I made the call. First call. I happen to like motel sex. They're cheap. And the rooms are decent. And they said, oh, yeah, we take dogs. And I happened to phone the Motel 6 walking distance to here. My very first phone call. Now, if that's not amazing, I don't know what is. And that's what happened two days ago. I could tell you stories like that for two hours. Since I started having a conscious contact with God, that's the way my life is. These things just keep happening. I got a job about, about two years ago. I was arguing with this guy. I, I had a job. I was working on, on a construction job, and I had to fight with this guy. And after the fight was over, he said, what are you doing when you finish this job you're doing? And I said, I don't know. I don't like this company, but I'm going to move on. And he says, well, I'm building a $50 million house. How would you like to be project manager? I said, well, I've never built a house before. I don't know how to build a house, but sure. <laughs> and he looked at me like I had two heads. But he gave me the job. And that's the most amazing project you could ever imagine. And the responsibility. I could make a $100,000 mistake like that. And I got the job. And I didn't. I had never built a house before. This was my first house. was... 22,000 square feet. It's a castle. Okay. Now, let's get back to some of the other things that work. Routine. I am a compulsive person. For me, routine, well, I do get up every day. And I go to bed sometime later. So, routine didn't come easy for me. And routine still isn't easy. But like I said, I do my writing every morning. I, I have four readings. I don't read four today anymore. I read it for about five years. But I have four other readings I do every single morning. And I read stories out of the big book. And I read every piece of literature there is. I phone my sponsor every day. I have my sponsees call me. Uh, breakfast is the same meal every morning. has been for a long time. Lunch is at lunchtime. Dinner, I haven't got that down for routine yet. I'm still not there. This is definitely for me has not been an overnight process. It has taken me 25 years to get to the point where I'm at today and probably another 30 or 40 to get to a point where I feel that I'm totally sane. Uh, let's see. Now, if I can just read my printing. Persever oh, perseverance, yes. Well, that's what I say, 25 years. Now, another thing here, I've written down, abstinence is the most important thing in my life no matter what. 
And I used to think, well, that meant that I had to follow a food plan no matter what. That was the most important thing. Well, today I realize that abstinence is the most important thing. So therefore, do not do anything that will make you want to overeat. That doesn't mean only never eat a piece of candy or never do this or that. For me, that's never worked. I did find I have food allergies. I stay away from foods that I'm allergic to. But don't mistreat somebody because later on I'm going to want to eat on it or over it. Don't lie to somebody because later on I'm going to want to eat over it. Don't beat myself up because later on I will eat over it. Don't put off making an amends because later on I will want to eat over it. And I think you know where I'm going with that. That could go on forever. And that is why what to me abstinence is the most important thing no matter what is don't do the things that will make me not like myself because if I don't like myself I will eat and if I don't eat I'll do something else compulsive anyhow so it's not a place to go uh, let's see this. well I talked about the spiritual life allergies contracts direct slogans oh yeah that's a good thing to end with when nothing else works, the slogans do. When I am at a point where I don't want to work the steps, I don't want to call anybody, I don't want to do anything to have anything to do with program, I go to a slogan. And there's usually one that fits that particular moment. It could be easy does it. It could be the only way out is through. Most recently it was either God is everything or God is nothing. And right now, that's the one that I like the most. God is either everything or God is nothing. So therefore, I'm willing to just totally turn my life over to God and be willing to accept whatever consequences that is. And so far, the consequences have been pretty good, but it is very scary and it is not easy. I, I don't know how many times I've heard it, and I really believe that this program is simple, but it's not easy. But the rewards are worth whatever you're willing to put into it. If you don't put anything into it, you won't get anything out. And if you're willing to put everything into it, you'll get everything out. Thank you for letting me share. first question is, how do you surrender when you are something at God? Oh, mad at God? How do you surrender when you are mad at God? How do you surrender when you're mad at God was the question. And for me, I'd say act as if. What I do is I make sure God knows that I'm mad at him. <laughs> I do. And it works. For some reason, allowing that anger to come out and just let God know, I don't like the way you're working my program. It helps. I don't know why, but it works. A relapse means. Oh. How do you how do you decide what a relapse means or a slip? 
so for me it depends on what your bottom line abstinence is and for me my bottom line abstinence is that I no longer take drugs or laxatives and I don't purge so mine's very black and white um, for other people that have specific foods I, I think it's really an individual thing uh, for me relapse is something that you won't know if you're in relapse for quite some time I mean a slip or a short-term relapse we're always going to go up and down it's never going to get simple where it's always going to get better there's going to be times and if you find that you've gone into isolation and you hate yourself you're in relapse but other than that it's a very great question Do you recommend giving up all carbohydrates in the beginning, and if so, for how long? So for, for me, because I restricted all food, I needed to basically legalize food for me. And so um, there really isn't anything that I don't eat. There's just things I choose not to eat for today, and that's all I need to do is for today. So for me personally, um, that's not something I recommend. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend for myself it never worked but I do believe in giving you the option to do whatever you think works for you I don't think you'll find it works but it's worth a try how do you balance the time it takes to work the program with husband child and that guilt guilt somebody must be Catholic um, <laughs> I know guilt <laughs> so for me how do I manage it it's not easy and it's a day-by-day -day basis and as I said earlier I don't get to as many physical meetings as I used to and I had a lot of guilt about that and my sponsor said you're working your program to the best of your ability today I'm still abstinent I'm still in these rooms I have not left so it is one day at a time um, there's always things I can do to make it better and I'm always open to trying and doing new things and some days I do it quite well and other days I don't if that one doesn't apply <laughs> so this one was for me because you did not mention a spiritual way of life does it work for you um, so when I talked about faith, that is my spiritual way of life. So I, I didn't, I wasn't saying that it wasn't important. It is important for me to have a conscious contact with God, to to live my life. I do attend church. Um, I have a, a a spiritual base. It is an area that I am looking to expand upon because to me, religion and spirituality are completely different things. They can overlap or complement each other, but they're not the same. So it is a it is something that's very important. can't read. Oh, well, I thought I mentioned, I, I think I told as much about spirituality as, as I feel that is necessary for me to say. So how do you tell or drop a sponsor because another sponsor's way seems more compatible with your lifestyle? Um, this is an individual program and, and to me it is something that I have had sponsors that have dropped me and I've had sponsees that I've had to let go. And basically the best way that I can say is to do it with love. 
because anything for me that's done out of anger is something I'm going to have to put on my ninth and tenth of amends, which I don't want to keep adding to those lists. I've been trying to lighten that load. So that that's my suggestion. Uh, I've only ever let go of one sponsor. It was because some, there was someone that I could tell was totally not right for me. I, I've had to change sponsors a few times. One time my sponsor went into relapse and wasn't able to talk to me. Uh, but uh, So I, I really don't have a lot of experience in that. I think this one's for you. It says, how, how obnoxious does one have to be to get kicked out of a meeting? <laughs> <laughs> so did anyone try to talk to you? Um, well, I was, I was 29 years old at the time. The average age, these were these old, old ladies. They were in their 40s. <laughs> and... And they kept sharing about stuff that I felt wasn't programmed, so I told them how to work their program, that I didn't want to hear their bullshit. And I have no comment to that one. <laughs> how much courage does it take to keep coming back when you don't feel accepted or loved? Fake it till you make it. And I know there's times for me that I have not felt accepted and when I came into this program 19 years ago, anorexics were really not something people had a lot of exposure or experience to. So coming into a meeting weighing a little over 100 pounds, people weren't exactly running up to me. Um, and I was also the youngest person in the room as well. I just kept coming back because I knew that there was no other place to go. And if I didn't stay, I would die. I didn't have the courage to keep coming back. I left. It hurt too much to come, and I left. I had been in the program 10 years, and people had been in three months and had lost 50 pounds or whatever. The company said, well, I got the program. How come you didn't get it? And I hadn't, I hadn't the self-confidence to say, because this is what it takes. And so I left. So I, I didn't leave the spiritual life. I, I searched for it elsewhere and came back with a lot better place. So I can't say what kind of courage it takes. It's hard. It's sometimes we can't do it and we go out and we have to. Come, we hope that we come back. So how do you connect with a higher power? That's a great question. So for me. I say the serenity prayer, and it's something that's very easy for me to do wherever I am, whatever I'm doing, I say a lot. And, and sometimes I personally, I just talk to my higher power. I'll be in the shower and it's like, okay, God, what do you need me to do today? I'm really not very happy with this man I'm living with, who I call my husband. What do I need to do? And so for me, it is, it's a conversation. But I'm always, just because I'm a bit of a perfectionist, think there's probably a better way to connect. So that's one area that I am learning or looking to explore more on as far as the spirituality and that connection. I find for me the, the best way to connect with my power, higher power is to listen. Uh, prayer doesn't seem to, me asking God for things doesn't seem to give me a lot of answers, but being willing to be quiet and listen to what comes to me. I find is the most effective way for me to connect with my higher power.
says, what baby steps do you take to, I can't read this one word, something about, accept, I think it's practice acceptance. Suit up and show up. For me, um, I mean, acceptance is, the serenity prayer constantly reminds me that I am the only person, place, or thing that I can change. Um, it might be as simple as letting my husband load the dishwasher the way he wants to load it versus the way I know it should be loaded. And just walking away saying, the dishes are going to get cleaned anyways. So to me, that's a baby step. I don't think there's any steps other than baby steps towards acceptance and that acceptance has to come from me and until I can accept myself I won't accept anybody else until the way I am is okay the way everybody else isn't going to be okay I can't read that one I'm having a hard time. I'm having a hard time being intuitive. No. Or in touch, maybe? In, in, with my boss. In touch, maybe? Okay. Um, so it says, I'm having a hard time being something. something, like in touch with my sponsor. Don't know where to start and stop. So for me, if you're having a hard time with a sponsor, it may not be working. So I know at times I've had multiple sponsors. There's nothing in the big book or in program that says we can't use all the help that we can get. And for me, sometimes that's what I needed because different people have different things to offer. So don't know where to start. Um, look for someone who has something that you have and ask them. I think for me, usually when I can't communicate with my sponsors because I'm trying to tell them how to work my program. <laughs> and so I have to listen. And if I continue to feel that I'm getting bad information from my sponsor, that's the time to find a new sponsor. But if it's just that day that I don't want to hear what they're saying, I just do what they say anyhow. Have you forgiven yourself for everything? How? Uh, everything? No. But for a lot of things, yes. And amazingly enough for me, and maybe it was just the way that this program, my character defects, I didn't have a lot of resentments towards myself. Everything was more outward. So for me, um, well, there are things such as something that I'm currently working on, and I think I, I forgave myself first before I forget, before I haven't forgiven the other person yet. I'm in that process. But I usually do put myself first on that list. Um, well, obviously, I don't think anybody can forgive themselves for everything. And I think the, the key to this is, though, that uh, we learn to accept whether or not we like what we did, that, that it, we did it. And it's an acceptance that we did it and that we don't have to hate ourselves for doing it. So, no, I will never forgive myself for everything I did, and I will never like everything I did, but there's still a way of accepting that I wasn't perfect and that that was the best I could do at the time.
So how do you handle socializing and dining out at buffets and potlucks? I don't do buffets. Personally, they don't work for me, and I never get my money's worth because I can't eat that much food anyways. So I would rather have something that is set. Um, I also, for me, food is not the socialization focal point anymore. So I have friends that are not in programs that I have known since I was a child. Birthdays, things, oh, I want to take you out for lunch. I said, how about we go for a walk instead? So for me, it is about food is... I need food as fuel and it's nutrition, but it is not something that I tend to use any longer as my focal point. Until God relieved the obsession, I had to stay away from them. I couldn't. I couldn't function in them. Now at a social occasion, Christmas, Thanksgiving, I have my plate of food and it's all I want. I'm full. And I can't explain that. I didn't do it. I didn't change it. Nothing... Nothing I did consciously changed that. It changed for me. But until I could do that, I had to stay away from it. I'll add to that. Since it's been a while since I've been in program and my memory isn't as good, when I first got into program, I didn't go to social things that were centered around food because it was too hard for me to deal with it. So if I was to go to something, I made sure I had my meal before and I didn't eat anything there. It's, it's whatever works. And for me, being in this program, my goal is to have a healthy relationship with food, that I don't avoid people, places, and things because of food. So I have a hard time making a decision about visiting my mom. She's 86 and I care about her, but afraid I'll overeat. Um, for me, family has been an interesting place, and I've been in this program almost 19 years, and my father still gives me these chocolate eggs every Easter, even though he knows I don't eat those. Thank you, Dad. Give it to the neighbor. Um, I have to take care of myself, and for me, it's about having a plan and just knowing what I need to do if I'm in a situation that I'm really uncomfortable. I, I don't have troubles visiting my parents, but I have troubles visiting my children because they don't really want to see me that much. And it's very painful, and I just do the best I can. Sometimes the visits are very short. I go, I show up. And if I have to, I leave. Tell me how you stay balanced during grief. Well, I'm working on it. Um, it's not easy. And being a compulsive person, it's, I was telling my therapist the other day, it's like having this bad movie in my head continue that I can't turn off. And just like everything else that I've done in this program, one of my very first therapists said to me when I first, because I thought about food, how much I weighed, what I looked like, what I ate, what I wasn't going to eat. If I ate it, where was I going to get rid of it? 24 by 7. 
and my therapist gave me an hour a day to compulse, to take it in one big chunk, 10, I could have, you know, six, 10 minute sessions, whatever, until we got down to 10 minutes a day. So my therapist and I are working right now that I need to have time pretty much every day to allow myself to grieve, but it's okay if I don't want to grieve one day or two or three, but also the compulsive part of that about just going through the events that led up to my mother's death is I have to turn that tape off and then sometimes I'll have to look at my watch and say, okay, you thought about it for five minutes now, move on. Um, two years ago, my sister was killed in a motorcycle accident and uh, my grandson had to have major heart surgery. And my way of dealing with it was I averaged eight meetings a week and I read literature and I did everything I could. Program became my absolute everything in my life. And I got through it. And I never gained an ounce during that time. Now time to close this session. Let's thank our speakers and all who have done service for this session. Please stand and join hands and as we close with, uh, I put my hand in yours.